You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Jesus, I thank you, Father, for tonight. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would bless everyone here, Father, that no one would leave, Father, without a fresh touch from you, that you would refresh, that you would rebuild. And, Father, take us in the deep things of the Spirit and show us your will and your purpose. And, Father, I thank you so much tonight for everyone that will be set free, everyone that will accept Jesus. And, Lord, we thank you for it, and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Turn to somebody and say, I'm ready. How about you? Praise the Lord. Tonight I want to talk about the power of your imagination. And I started it last week when I started talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire. But I'm going to show you tonight how that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how it works through your imagination. Because we live in a day we need the power of God displayed in our lives financially, physically, mentally, in every area that we can conceive. Amen? And so I want to do that. I want you to remember this. The Hebrew word for imagination is yestar. And write this down. It means mind. It means frame. It means conception. It means womb. In other words, it's a word that talks about the place in which the Holy Spirit will bring conception and growth of a petition or a desire that you have found from the Word of God that you're requesting from God in faith for. And so as we get into this, I want you to keep this in mind, and, and I'm going to go a little deep tonight, and so you, you need to really stay focused to grab a hold of this truth, but... I want to show you that sometimes there's this process between waiting and being endured with power. That is in Scripture that a lot of people don't understand. There's sometimes a process. It isn't everybody, you know, we've got this McDonald's mentality where everything's instant. Well, in the spirit realm, it's not always like that. Amen? So I want to read some verses with you, if you would, over in Matthew chapter 3, if you would. And this is about John the Baptist. And I'm going to show you the difference between the baptism of repentance and the baptism of fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. Now go down a few verses. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw a spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Now, I want you to see something here that's very powerful. First of all, John the Baptist, he, was, he didn't really know who the individual was who was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit in fire. 
He had had God prophetically reveal it to him, but he didn't know the individual. And I don't know if he was just dunking people and then saying, oh, you're not the one. Grab me another one. And dunk one. You're not the one. But Jesus showed up that day. And instantly he saw through the spirit that he was the one. See, Jesus' ministry, he was first given authority, but he wasn't endured with power until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, being God as he was, he could have done a lot just for the fact that he was God, but he chose not to. He chose to operate as a man, anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to see this transition where it goes to John the Baptist he has authority already, but he doesn't have any power. He's talking about Jesus. Power in as far as operating in, in the agreement that he said that he, that he would. Now, what's powerful about this is that John the Baptist, the water baptism that he was referring to is called the baptism of repentance. That's for people that repent of their sins. Jesus had no sin. Now watch this. He became sin in order that we might become the righteousness of God. He replaced us. He was dunked for us. He was crucified for us. And God rose him up because he was without sin. That's why we have salvation today. So he was taking our spot in that baptism of repentance so that we could be endured with power like he was. Now, what's powerful about this particular event, when you look at it, is that Jesus made this statement. He said that the Holy Spirit would not come on people. They would not be baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire until he was glorified. Now, my question to you is this. Why was it, why did everyone have to wait until he was glorified? Why couldn't the Holy Spirit be given to his disciples in his earthly ministry? Why did he have to wait until he was glorified? The reason for this is Jesus, when he was glorified, the Holy Spirit then begins to conform us to the image of Jesus in that glorification state. As he was on the earth going to the cross, the Holy Spirit glorified him. But if we would have received the Holy Spirit then, we would have been glorified to Jesus before he went to the cross. When he went to the cross, he took off all the limits. When he went to the cross, he ascended up on high. When he went to the cross, he was raised up and he was given authority, all authority on heaven and earth and given unlimited access to everything, and everything was placed under his feet. So now when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are being conformed to that image, the image of him on the throne, the image of him where everything's placed under his feet, the image of him that every, every sin has been taken away, every sin has been thrown in. Come on, say amen. In other words, that's how the Holy Spirit ministers. So when we're talking about receiving the Holy Spirit in fire, 
we're talking about being exposed to the Holy Spirit in a way where we're being conformed to the image of Jesus as he's seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All things are under his feet. Everything is far below him. And the Holy Spirit in our life right now, in my life, your life, he's trying to conform us to that image. That your disease is under your feet. That your problem is under your feet. That whatever you're facing is under your feet. Do you see what I'm saying here? There's so much power in this. And it shows me something. It shows me that the power of one's imagination now with the power of the Spirit has no limits. There's no limits to what God can do in your life through vision. There's no limits to what God can do in your life through your imagination of you visually seeing what God has promised in your life because the Holy Spirit is conforming us to the image of his son, praise God. The image of Jesus as Jesus is, not as he was on earth, as he is right now. So are we on this earth. Are you catching what I'm saying here? This is, uh, to me, so powerful. And a lot of people, they don't look at the small print on this. Uh, In fact, let's look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it shows you what I'm talking about. Behold, we all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, as being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, our transformation by the Spirit is, comes from the glorification of Jesus. The way he is, the Spirit is trying to turn us into, to change us, to transform us. I tell you, tonight there'll be no fear here. Amen? God wants to transform us into that image of Christ. And that's the sole purpose of the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire, it's the Holy Spirit's whole purpose is to glorify the Lord in your life and turn you into that image so that everything will be under your feet. Is that all we're going to do is say, hi, look, come on, church. Get fired up here. Let me show you the parallel of this. The prophet said in Haggai, he said this. He said, the latter glory will be better than the former. Amen. The glory that people saw in Jesus' ministry will be greater in the resurrection than it was in his earthly ministry. Jesus told his own disciples that if you believe on me, you're going to do the works that I've done and even greater works then these shall you do, because I ascend to the Father. It is a dimension of power that most people in the church can't even comprehend. They can't even grab hold of how powerful it is. See, the resurrection of Jesus is so powerful. If you remember what the scripture says, when Jesus died, it says that his spirit descended into the lower regions of the abyss, And it said that he led captives, captives. Which means all the Old Testament saints that were keeping the upper room of Hades were transformed, born again, and they came up with Jesus. I don't know how many people there were, but they came up with Jesus. And then Jesus stopped off in the garden where his tomb was because Mary was there grieving. 
And you remember the story, once she recognized him, she reached to touch him, said, don't touch me, I have not yet ascended to the Father. Remember that? So you can't touch me yet. Well, understand that during that process, the scripture says that when Jesus was raised from the dead, that many people who had died were raised up and were going through the streets of Jerusalem. Can you imagine burying one of your relatives a week before? And all of a sudden they show up and say, I just want to say hello. I'm on my way to heaven right now with Jesus. He's ministering to Mary in the, in the garden, praise God, or in the, where his tomb was. But then God, Jesus, took all those people, millions of them probably, and ascended up on high. That was the prize the Father had given him for dying for us. Say amen. And that same prize is sitting in the church here tonight. I'm preaching this because we need the power of God. And you got to understand that when you take the promise of God and you begin to visualize the promise of God, it, 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 it's, it's the Holy Spirit will move through that vision. Write this down. It's very powerful. The imagination is the bridge between the mind and the heart. If you want to get the word into your heart, you need a bridge to get it into your heart. And your imagination, as you imagine what God's word says, and you can see yourself receiving that promise, receiving that healing, whatever, all of a sudden it goes down into your heart, and now the Holy Spirit that's on you, that fire that's in your life, can begin to manifest it and begin to bring it to pass in your life. Jesus is still the healer today. Jesus is still the provider today. Jesus is still the one that can break shackles and bondage in your life. And you'll never be free without the power of God. Never be free. You can be free somewhat being born again. But you can't be free from this world system and the demonic oppression without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. But like anything, the Holy Spirit needs our heart faith. And heart faith comes from what you can see that God has promised, and you can see it. I can see myself prospering in that area. I can see that promise be becoming fulfilled in my life. And you begin to visualize that, and the Holy Spirit then moves through that in your life. That's why the Apostle Paul said this. He prayed that the eyes of your imagination would be enlightened to the hope of his cal calling, the incompatible great power for us who believe. It's powerful. The prayer there, because Paul was into the power. You know, I'm kind of amazed in the world today, the church that we're in today, there's very little mentioned about the power of God. But have you, have you ever went down to buy a car and, and bought a car without a motor in it? You wouldn't go down. The first thing a guy wants to know is how many horse is it? How fast is it? Six cylinder, eight cylinder? What's, what does it do in 60 seconds? Or six, yeah. How fast is it? But yet in the church, we preach this gospel without any power. 
Oh, just Jesus forgive you of your sins. Listen, there's a devil out there that's trying to destroy your family. There's a devil out there with a host of demons trying to destroy your kids, trying to destroy your body, trying to get you to die prematurely before your time. And we need the power of God. Amen? You know, in Florida, in Florida, they, that's where the space shuttles go off the space center there. And they have now space, uh, uh, spaceships that take off and actually come back and land, which is really astounding. Now, I mean landing the same, same jet. And I've never yet heard on the news, oh, wow, in Florida today, uh, there was a spaceship that took off, but there was no fire. <laughs> There's always fire. Because it takes the fire to break out of this gravitational pull of the earth to get through. You got to have the force of fire. You got to have the fire of the spirit to break out of the gravitational pull of sin and destruction and the things that bring you down. You got to have more than just a head knowledge. You got to have a heart faith. You got to have faith in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to cast out devils, to drive out sickness, to drive out those things that are trying to put you in despair. You you got to have that in your life because without it we'll be oppressed and we will not be able to do what we need to do you know there's a, a verse in first john it says this it says that when you're born again the devil cannot touch you but that is only referring to your spirit it's not referring to your body it's not referring to your soul. It's referring to your spirit. You can be a Christian and be oppressed by devils. Say amen. You can be mentally in anguish. You can be, you can have phobias that are more than just natural phobias. They're phobias that are brought on by spirits. The only way you're going to be delivered from it is not by going to a church that doesn't, that doesn't believe in the power, but by the power of the spirit. That's the only way that you can be set free. You can't do it through therapy. Can't do it through psychology. You could only do it through the power of the spirit. And that's why I wanted to teach you this tonight so that you could get yourself focused. And you could begin to depress in because understand something when Jesus went to that cross he removed all the barriers that were that were on God's side that kept us from being blessed the Bible said that when he was raised up that the middle wall or, or the veil was ripped from the from the top to the bottle bottom and, and God in that resurrection he removed every barrier that was in God that prevented you from being blessed. The problem isn't God anymore. The problem is us. That's why we got to get the word inside of our heart. And the Holy Spirit needs to move on our dreams and visions. And conception needs to happen. And God needs to birth these dreams. And birth these things that you put in your heart from the word of God. And if you allow the Holy Spirit to do that, the Holy Spirit will begin to transform you. And glorify the risen Jesus in your life. And great things will be done with you. And you'll be history makers. Am I preaching to the right crowd tonight? I'm just checking. 
just checking. I want you to jump into the deep things of God. And the deep things of God is you have to know how to pray. Most people, they pray like this, and it's crazy. They go, well, I'm just asking God for something. That, that's not, God doesn't answer your prayers because of your needs. Let me say that again. Write this down. God doesn't answer your prayers because of your need. He answers prayers when you have faith for your needs. But never just the need. But if you have faith for the need, God will answer your prayer. See what I'm saying? But if you don't see it, if you can't get it from the mind to the heart, even though you've got a need there, the need won't be met unless you can begin to see what God's Word says in the Word. And we all do this. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard people say this. Well, you never know when you're going to die. Could be today, could be tomorrow. You know, that is completely unscriptural. The Bible promises all over the place long life. It's promised in the book of Ephesians. It's promised in the Psalms, long life. Now, we don't know when we're going to croak when we get old, old, old. But we should have the confidence. But see, what I'm saying is, is that this is why the, the spectacular doesn't operate in Christians as much as it should. Because we don't see ourselves in the light of what the Word says. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be around a while. Now, I want you to turn with me to Psalms chapter 1. And we had mentioned this last week, and I want to show you another truth to this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and, his, and in his law he meditates day and night. Say, say it with me, he meditates. Meditate means to mutter. It means to see. It means to mutter and to see and to delight yourself in what you are envisioning. That's what meditate means. And it says that if you do this day and night, the next thing happens. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in his season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, that is really clear, isn't it? That if you do this meditation and understand something, meditation is prayer. Let me give you a reference to it. In Psalms 5, 1, it says... Give heed to my meditation. In other words, answer, answer what I'm seeing in the word. Answer it. He's talking about prayer there. Amen? But uh, go, put that back up on the screen, please. Now, notice it says, whatever you do shall prosper. Where else is that said? Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, or uh, chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Joshua was told by the Lord before they go in the promised land. If you meditate on my word day and night, if you keep my word in your mouth, whatever you put your hand to do shall prosper. You shall have good success. Same thing is said, but it's all in the condition that you meditate. Meditation is impossible without visualizing what the scriptures say. You can't meditate on scripture. And most Christians, all they do is think you got to visualize what God has promised in the Word when you're in prayer. 
You have to see yourself up and, up and about. You have to see yourself doing what God told you to do. You have to see the vision. That's why the word says, without a vision, the people perish. The vision controls your thoughts. Thoughts are secondary. Vision is first. And the only reason why a lot of us don't see the results that we want in our life is because we have vain imaginations. You know what a vain imagination is? It's when you can see yourself getting divorced. You can see yourself losing your home. You can see yourself eating up in hospice. You can see yourself losing all your friends. In other words, it's visualizing from your fears. It's a phobia. It's a vain imagination. Do you ever ask yourself this question? Why is it in the church? It's not hard at all for people to believe for a cold to be healed of a cold. But if it's cancer, it's difficult. Why? Because of the fear associated with cancer. Because you saw somebody die because of it. And there's a vision attached to the word cancer. And so it's very difficult. But a cold is, you know, yeah, I don't see anybody die from that lately. So it's easier to believe for something that hasn't been produced in you, that vain imagination. And some of you tonight need to really analyze the imagination in your life, what you're thinking about. And I'm not talking here about fantasy. Fantasy is different. Star Wars, that's fantasy. I'm talking about imagining things the Word of God promises. Amen. It's not a fantasy. It's a reality. Amen. Amen? But there's power in this when you understand that. Now, this is what it says in Psalms 1, verse 2 and 3. Meditate on the Word day and night, and whatever you put your hand to do shall prosper but it says you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water you remember the word rivers is the arabic word for canals and the difference between a canal and a river is a river comes from nature but a canal comes from people now here's something else that's powerful about this canals when a farmer puts canals in, even when there's a drought, his harvest does great. But if his harvest is dependent on a river that comes from the mountains, when there's a drought, his harvest will fail. So it's telling us here that when you meditate on the word, you make canals in your life where the Holy Spirit can flow through you because Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit as rivers of living water. There's power in that. The more you can see it, the more the Holy Spirit can flow through you. The more you can see that person be healed. The more you can say, oh, praise God. This is, this is how you have healing crusades. This is how you have evangelistic crusades it's from the vision inside of you and the spirit will move that way amen but what do we do we spend our time imagining things that are vain and then it weakens our faith and we run into trouble so when you meditate on the word you put a hedge around yourself the spirit moves through that conception or that womb, if you, if you please, of God's seed in your life. And God begins to grow it and so forth. And it's beautiful. 
It may grow overnight, but it may take a while sometimes too. But look at this, Jeremiah 17, verse 8. Same verse, but notice the emphasis. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but of the leaf, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought. Why? Because it's a canal. When you meditate on the word, it's a canal. And the Holy Spirit will flow in your life in a way that he's never flown before. Hallelujah. Every time I... See, most people, they don't pray very much because they think prayer is just asking. No, you got to pray from your heart. And so you got to get it in your heart. And sometimes you need to get some faith in your heart, but it starts with your mind. Hear the word and you see that. Yeah, I can see myself doing that. And it goes from the head to the heart. And then you have that heart faith. And then you're able to move mountains. And then the Holy Spirit can move through the vision and dream that you have in your life. For years, in fact, I still do this today. If I'm at a convention or someplace, if I can get away with it, I always sneak up on the pulpit. So I can look out at everything. Because I like vision. Amen? And that's, it. you know... Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just taste it, see it. See yourself losing that weight. See yourself healthier than you were before. See your wife chasing you down in the house. (laughs) Or ladies, see your husband chasing you. Of course, that's probably pretty easy, amen? Guys seem to be weird like that. Amen. (laughs) But now watch this. Remember I said that the word imagination means framed and it means mind? Write this verse down. Isaiah 26, 3. It's a powerful verse. It says, whoever's mind is set on me, I will keep in perfect peace. It's the word for imagination. Same Hebrew word. He's saying that if you can see the promises in your life, I'm going to flood your life with a peace that passes all understanding. And my spirit's going to give you the ability to go through it. When your head says, I can, there'll be a peace. See, the peace of God is so powerful. It's supernatural. When it's there and in manifestation, it, 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 it bypasses everything else. It doesn't matter what things look like. It bypasses it. And it's saying that it is brought to pass by a person who doesn't just think, set his mind on Christ, but can literally see themselves walking in the light of the word that God has given us. Wow. To me, that just blesses me. Now, I want to bring you to a point in this message I think will really help you. I want to explain to you why some people lose the battle. There's a lot of reasons, but this one particular reason I want to talk about. Look in Psalm 78. Put it up on the screen, please. Psalm 78. And listen to what it says about Israel. Yes, again and again they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Look at the next verse. They did not remember His power the day when He redeemed them from the enemy. Now I want you to notice... Because they limited God, 
they lost in the battle. Instead of possessing the promised land, they died in the wilderness and were never able to go in, that first generation. And it says they limited God. That was the main reason. But, but why did they limit? It says they did not remember his power that delivered them. Remember the word remember here is this idea, again, of the word imagination. Imagination will cause you to remember things. Whatever I can visually see, I will remember. Let me give you an example. If you're at the mall, you take your wife to the mall, you drive her up, you drop her off in the mall, and you go find a parking spot talking about Christmas time. Got to park way out in the middle somewhere. After you get done shopping, if you survive, you go out with your wife, and the first thought is, where's the car? Where did I park it? How do you find that car? The way you find it is you remember what it looked like when you got out of the car and headed towards the mall. Yes. You remember the, the, the street side. You remember that side of the building or that side of the building. And, and so when you're trying to recall that, the picture in your mind of what you saw is the very element that causes you to remember. I, I remember things because I'm visual. Now, I'm talking about visual in the sense, if I can see something, I can always remember it. Israel failed because they didn't remember the power that God delivered them. Now think about the visual aids they had. They saw the Red Sea split and it gelled up on one side and gelled up to the other side like jello. Wind going through the sea and drying it up as they passed over. And they saw the chariots chasing after them and saw God make the chariots wobble so they couldn't go as fast. They saw that. They experienced that. They saw the pillar of fire that kept their enemies away from them. But yet... They limited God. Why? Because they had been slaves too long. They had a vain imagination. God had told them, listen, I wanna, I'm giving you this land. But they had spent 430 years being a servant to other people who owned land. They couldn't see themselves as landowners. All they saw themselves was as slaves. A servant of people who were wealthy. A servant of people that had more than enough. That's all they saw themselves. And that's why they limited God. That's why they couldn't get through. They didn't see themselves according to the word. The word says, I'm giving you this land. Now you can become landowners. Now you can become wealthy people. Now you can have possessions. They couldn't see that. And because they couldn't see that, their faith failed. But if they would have meditated on the word day and night, like Joshua said, or he said it after that first generation was cast out, but if they had first generation had done what Joshua said to the second generation, they would have been able to enter in. Now, you know what I'm talking about. You get with your wife, you get with your husband, you get with a friend, they have a need. You say, let's pray. You're all pumped up. 
You find the verses in the Bible, you stand in faith, you believe for the verses, and go, all right, we believe, we receive. Thank you, Jesus. Two days later, go by, and that friend or that loved one says something completely contrary to what you agreed to. And you spot them and you say, hey, 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 don't you remember what we prayed for? And what do they say? Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. But why did they forget? Because they stopped meditating and seeing the promise every day in their life. If they would have got up in the morning and saw themselves healed and, and, and in the evening saw themselves healed and did that every day, they never would have forgot what they were believing for and they never would have wavered and they never would have lost the promise that God had promised them. But because of that, they missed it. Amen? We've all done that. Because we don't pray enough. Pray without ceasing. What I'd recommend is go to the Bible, find the verses on whatever your greatest needs are in your life. And here's something that will really help. Always follow God in your lane. God grants everything to all of us. But it's only in your lane that you should be pursuing. Don't be believing for something that someone else is believing for in their lane do it you know like me I can't believe God for a huge house on Florida next to a canal with a yacht sitting in front of it because God hasn't called me to live in Florida so don't bother trying to believe for something that's outside of your lane find out what your lane is find out what God has called you to do and focus within that lane and begin to see the promises of God within that area and once you do that I tell you it's going to get lightning it's going to get powerful now I want to say something here at this point that I think will really anchor this down Tonight what I want to do is I want to minister to you a story of a miracle that Jesus did. It was a man that was the pool of Bethesda. He'd been there for 38 years. And what's unique about it is that he didn't come to Jesus. Jesus went to him. And Jesus walked by a lot of people that were lame and hurting. But that was the one that the Holy Spirit led him to. And he went to the man and obviously he had a word of knowledge about the man. But he said something to me that has always fascinated me all these years. And it's before the man gets healed. He says this to him. He says, do you want to get well? Now, he's been there for 38 years. Obviously, he wants to get well. Now, watch. He's been there 38 years, and he's seen people get in the water when it stirred and got healed. He has a vision for it. But because he had no one to help him into the water... He stopped seeing it. So when Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? He awakened the vision that he had in the beginning. He awakened, of course I do. The reason why I've been down and the reason why I sold all my stuff and and moved down here by the water is because I had a vision that one day that I'd be able to walk and run and and work like everybody else. And I had that vision in the beginning and, 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 and I could see myself doing that. And Jesus, what did he do? He awakened it. 
by asking him if he wanted to get well. And then he said, take up your bed and walk. Now he's ready. Now the Spirit of God can move. My question to you tonight is this. Have you allowed what you've seen in the past that you know is God's will for your life? Have you set it aside and said, I don't want to believe for that anymore? Is, is it become to you something you never dream about anymore? Is it it's, it's something that you don't see yourself in it anymore? I'm telling you now, the Holy Spirit wants to awaken you. Stand to your feet with me right now. He wants to awaken you. Awaken you to these, these dreams and visions the Holy Spirit was given to the church for one reason. So that we would be empowered. So that we could do the will of God in our lives. So that God could transform and change things. But to do that, we've got to know how to pray. And we need to dig into the deep things of God. And meditate on the scriptures. And give the Holy Spirit a way in which he can minister to us. And way he can bring conception and reveal things and, and, and begin to make clear the vision in your life. He will do that as soon as you take the word and say, I could see myself having that, Lord. I don't know exactly what, but I can see myself doing that. Then the Holy Spirit can begin to move in that and give you clarity, that, that vision. And he can work in your life. Lift your hand up to heaven with me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, he sends his presence just falls. Just, his presence falls. It falls like rain. Father, as we stand here before you tonight, Lord, we, we have so many things, Lord, that we've studied the scriptures and, and they've went off in our lives, Lord, and we know that it's your will for us. But we've allowed vain imagination to come into our lives and, and rob us and cheat us. Father, let the fire fall right now. Let the fire fall, Lord, on your people tonight. Let your fire fall, Lord. The Holy Spirit wants you to know tonight that some of you, because of this, are going to get a new dimension of faith in your life. The Holy Spirit is like a river, and water always gravitates to the lowest point. The Holy Spirit is falling on many of you right now, tonight, concerning your visions and your dreams. He's beginning to reveal things. He's beginning to germinate, bring conception. I see a new career breaking forth for somebody. I see a new career breaking forth for something. I see something tonight, it's an unusual thing. It's not something that most people believe for. It has to do with being up in the mountains. And it has to do with, a, I wouldn't say a resort, but 
close to a resort. I don't, I'm not sure if it's a, a ski cabin or what, but it's an unusual thing for someone to believe for. And the Holy Spirit is falling on you. You know what I'm talking about. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you for that healing anointing, Lord. Healing anointing right now, Lord. Someone tonight, you're, 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 you, you, you can see yourself ministering to the sick and you can see yourself ministering life to them and you can see cancer, tumors dissolving. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord. Beware of a vain imagination that will rob you from the real thing that God has for you. When there's a vain imagination, it's because there's a good one, there's a real one. There's not a counterfeit, there's a real thing that God wants to place within your heart that you've been moving towards, but because Satan doesn't want that in your life, he has tempted you with vain imagination, and you focused on something, and you saw yourself in, in a way that God had not called you to. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can divide between the right and the wrong. Thank you, Father. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out riveroflifefellowship.org, our mobile app, and our podcast. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at River of Life Kent to learn more and keep up with everything that's happening at River of Life Fellowship.